You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Today we're going to talk about sin, what the Bible says. But before we get started, I want you guys to know something. I want to make eye contact with each and every one of you this morning. Because here's what you need to know. God loves you. There's been times in my life when I doubted that. I thought he had abandoned me and turned his back on me. And I thought he was done with me. But he wasn't. I messed up. But here's what I found out. Plan B Plan B stands for better with God. It's better to be able to serve my sons uh, in business and here at the church and just, I'm living the dream right now. Plan B stands for better. Gentlemen, God loves you. You know, the Bible. Are we in agreement that the Bible is true? It's our one and only anchor, right? Okay. I'm going to share a slug of scripture with you today, and none of it is uh, on your notes. Your notes are there at the table. Feel free to, to mark them up, take them or whatever, but, or write down these references as I, as I give them to you. But the Bible is true. It's the, our anchor, the one thing that we can cling to. And here's what I found out in my life, that sin blocks blessings in your life. And so many times I wondered, God, where are you? God, why am I not healthy? God, why am I not able to pay my bills? God, why are we always behind? God, why am I not happy? And it's because truly I wasn't pursuing him. I wasn't living for him. And so I'm going to just throw a bunch of stuff at you today. And a bunch of it's just going to be God's Word. And I'm going to have a little opinion to go with it. Not much. But then you have to decide what you're going to do with it. Do you change? Do you grow? Do you agree with God's Word? Or are they just clever stories about some guy that lived a long time ago? Or a myth? We've agreed the Bible's true. Listen to these. Listen to these. Here's, here's one. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. It says, be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. That's what man up is based on. But what's the Bible say about sin and purity and holiness in our life? 1 Peter 1, 14 through 16. Hang on now. There's going to be a few of these. You know, I thought about this. If God's word bores us, or if we can't stand to read it or listen to it, we need to give our heart to Jesus, right? Huh? So, man, stick with me on this. Just listen to these. I didn't want them up on the screen. I didn't want any distractions. But just listen to these. Mark down the reference. Look them up uh, later today or in your chair time. But listen to these as I read them. It tells us everything we need to know about sin in our life. 
First Peter 1, 14 through 16. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. Huh. Romans 6.6. 6. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Romans 6.11. So you should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Romans 12.2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Side note, God does not have a dark side. He is not looking to punish you and send you to hell. There is no dark in him. There's nothing but light. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Here's one you don't hear preached not much anymore. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. 1 John 5.18 We know that those who have become part of God's family do not make a practice of sinning. For God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot get his hands on them. Philippians Philippians 2, 14 and 15. In everything you do, stay away from complaining and arguing so that no one can speak a word of blame against you. You are to live clean, innocent lives as children of God in a dark world full of crooked and perverse people. Let your lives shine brightly before them. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, 22. But test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Keep away from every kind of evil. Titus 2.14 He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing what is right. 1 Peter 1.18.19 For you know that God paid a ransom. I love this verse. That God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. He paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. 2 Timothy 2, 21-22 says, If you keep yourself pure, you will be a utensil God can use for his purpose. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the Master to use you for every good work. Run away from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Follow anything that makes you want to do right. Pursue faith and love and peace. And enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. Romans 6, 1 and 2. Well then, I love this verse. There's a little sarcasm in here. It's my love language, sarcasm. Romans 6, 1 and 2. Well then. Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, 
How can we continue to live in it? I really don't have to say anything else. We can say amen and go to the house, go to work, or, or whatever you got planned for the day. I'm going to share with you where God's been working on me. And then you do with it whatever you want. Some of these are my personal convictions for me. And then you do whatever God tells you to do. Okay, looking at our notes now, we got Hebrews 4.12. It says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. You know, for decades, I did not have a consistent chair time where it was me and the Lord, His Word, me and Him, quiet time together. For decades, I didn't do it. That's why. Because it exposed my innermost thoughts and desires. When I got into His Word, I was convicted. Not condemned, but I was convicted of things in my life that I needed to change. Man, I worked at a church for 15 years. I, I taught kids. I was a children's pastor. I was an associate pastor. I was a carpenter. I was a transportation director. I was all kinds of things at this place. But I did not have a consistent time with the Lord. And I realized I was full of pride. I was full of lust. I, I was full of anger. I was mad at the people I worked with. I was the mad at the pastor of that church. I felt abused and used up. And I was sick and tired of it. That's where I was. Because I wasn't in his word. And when I got into it, it exposed me. The real me showed up. And I knew I had to repent and make changes. Well, I didn't want to repent. I was having a good time in my sin. I was having a good time wallowing in it and rolling around in it. I liked being angry. I liked being grumpy. I liked being mean. I enjoyed bossing people around and making them feel that big. Because it made me feel big. I didn't want to change. 2 Timothy 3.16 all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. 1 Timothy 1.15 This is a true saying. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I was the worst of them all. I love how the author of that did not say, I am. I am a dirty, rotten sinner, the worst of them all. Ah, I was. I was. I'm not anymore. When we give our heart and life to him and pursue him, we become complete and whole. It doesn't take a woman to complete us. You know, you hear all that crapola during Valentine's Day. Oh, you're my soulmate. You complete me. No. Nope. You are complete when Jesus Christ comes into your heart. 
You are whole in every way when he lives inside you and you pursue him. And that's where God's been dealing with me, man, for at least three years now. And here's what he's been telling me, son, take out the trash. Okay. What do, what do you mean, take out the trash? I let little things come into my life over the years that were okay. Certain TV shows, filthy language, movies that were okay. Language that I picked up, slang was okay. But did it reflect Jesus Christ? Did it honor him? I heard a person make this statement, and he said, God didn't send a sinner to be our example. He sent Jesus. He didn't send a Barabbas and say, be like Barabbas. Barabbas is a good guy to follow. Be like him. It was, no, I sent you my perfect son, sinless, pure, holy. And God himself has asked us to be sinless, pure, and holy. And when you start talking this way to Christians, they look at you like, son, you just grew a fourth head. Maybe a fifth head. Because churches don't talk about sin. It's offensive. We'll talk a little bit about that. You know, I've heard men also say that Oh, Randy, you've gone over the edge. You are on the, the deepest ditch possible to think we can go through life and sin and not be enslaved to sin. It's impossible. This is Christian man talking. And this guy said, someday when I die, I will be perfect. I will be sinless. And I told him, I said, you know what? That's a true statement. You will be perfect, and you will be sinless someday when you die, if you go to heaven. But I said, it's, you've made it into a great excuse to keep sinning. I can't be perfect. No, none of us can be. We won't be perfect. We will, have, we will battle sin while we're here on this earth. But we can have victory over it, and we don't have to be chained to it. I had a Christian guy tell me once, he said, you know, Randy, he said, men lust. We lust. It's just what we do. We look at porn. It's just what we do. I said, wait a second. You've been saved like 15 years, right? Going to a great church that preached the word. And that was his philosophy. Porn was okay. Can I tell you it's not? It's not pure. It's not holy. It's not good. Man. But when you talk that way, when you say, well, someone when I die, I'll be perfect and sinless. Death has just become your Savior. You don't need Jesus anymore. My Savior is death. I don't need Jesus. Grace, grace, God's grace. And aren't you glad for it? I'm rotten to the core without God's grace and his mercy and his love. But I have a part to play in this. It's like on Saturday morning, being here at 6.30. What are we all doing? Pursuing God.
for pursuing God. I must choose to change with God's help. But man, you know, and I've realized this too, that, you know, the world really doesn't want you to be like them. But what has the church world done? What does Christians do? You know, we read the verse about not the customs of this world, the things of this world. We read that verse. But you know what? We want to look just like the world. We want to act just like the world. I want to go into a bar just like the world and, and drink, a, drink some liquor. Just a beer. These are my personal convictions. I said that before, and I'm going to say it again. But the Lord's been telling me, son, take out the trash. And like I said, I, there were movies and different things that came into my life that were okay. TV shows. I thought about the TV show like uh, The Office and Seinfeld. There are some episodes that are so witty and well-written and truly funny. But then there, there are other episodes that are filthy. Filthy. There's nothing pure and holy and good and right. Why has Hollywood become so influential and famous? And as a Christian man, why do I want to be like Hollywood? Why? So nobody laughs at me. So nobody points me out. So nobody says, man, what's your problem? But I found myself uh, enjoying those little things. Movies. Oh, man, it's been, oh, years ago. Band of Brothers. HBO came out with this, this miniseries, 10, 11 episodes, Band of Brothers, World War II, Easy Company. My dad. He was everywhere Easy Company was. He served alongside Easy Company in ev the beaches at Normandy, all through the, the Battle of the Bulge, that winter in the forest. He was there. He did all those things. It was historically accurate. But every other word was an F-bomb. They used the Lord's name in vain through the whole thing. If somebody used my wife's name in vain, would that be a problem? You better believe that'd be a problem. But yet, I was just fine with somebody else. Or paying. Or paying a monthly fee to have this crap in my home. To hear the Lord's name in vain. Not a problem. I became so jaded that hearing those words didn't bother me a lick. Hearing the F-bomb didn't bother me a lick. After years of, of working on construction sites and job sites like that, you know, you hear all that language. You hear all those jokes. It's going around you all day long. Some guys just can't shut up. And that's what I love being a project manager like my son Ben at times when he's got a construction project going. I can go up to these tradesmen and say, you know what? You're not going to talk like that here. The customer is right here. You're not going to use that language on our job site. Well, yeah, your boss, when he filled out the contract, he signed off on it. You're not going to talk like that here. You're not going to smoke in this house. You're not going to stink up this house with your smoke. 
Well, but I let all those things come into my life, and I justified it. There was a scene in that movie, The Band of Brothers, a young woman, tan, blonde, beautiful, enjoying sex with a GI. It was just a clip. It was like four or five seconds, but you knew exactly what was going on, and there was a quick shot of her. I'm going to be really honest. To this day, it's stuck up here. And if I let it, I will run with it. Me and Helen are sitting there watching it, me and my wife. And, you know, as that quickly went by, you know, she immediately looks at me. And, you know, I pretend like I'm, you know, looking at the ceiling or something. You know. I didn't see no naked woman. You know, I don't know what you're talking about, honey girl. I didn't see nothing. But you know where my mind went? How can I look at that again without Helen seeing me or catching me do it? Just being totally, brutally honest. That's where my mind immediately went. How can I look at that again? I let all those things come into my life. My heart was hard. And may I tell you, Christians look at me and say, Randy, you're crazy to think that way. You won't watch The Office? You, you won't watch late night TV, the, the talk shows? Filthy. 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 I watched an old episode of The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson from the 70s. It was filthy what he was doing in the 70s on late night TV. It wasn't funny. It was filthy. I had to change. You know, honestly, like I said, your unsaved friends and family, they don't want you to be like them. You know, over the years, I've had friends and family. Come on, let's go have a beer. Just drink a beer with us. No. I drank two sips of beer once, and then I took the rest of the can and I pitched it because it tasted so awful. It tasted horrible. I had, it did nothing for me. Relatives. Come on, Randy, we're going to go to the bar. You, you don't have to drink. You can have a Pepsi, but we're going to the bar. Come on with us. I can't go with you. I can't go with you. There's an appearance of evil. You know, years ago, when we lived up in Iowa, we taught kids at this little church. And man, we learned a lot. And they were our little lambs. And every Friday... We'd go out to eat at this little bar and grill. Me and the construction gang I worked with, four other guys. We'd go out to this little bar and grill because they had the best open-faced hot beef sandwich in North Iowa. It was huge, and it was cheap, and in the wintertime, we were hungry. We'd been working outside, framing, doing whatever, and man, that was a treat to go there for lunch. 
And I came out of there one Friday. And I was with my, my buddies, my gang of guys. And the thought, I'm not going to tell you this was the Holy Spirit or God or anything, but the thought came into my mind, what if one of your little lambs saw you come out of here? Serving God is bigger than me. I can't say everything I want to say whenever I want to say it. I can't do everything I want to do because freedom. I have freedom in Jesus Christ. And I can do anything I want to. No, I can't. Because it will affect my wife. It will affect my sons, my daughters-in-law. It will affect my grandkids. And it will affect you. And everybody I come in contact with and everybody that sees me and everybody that I work with. I can't be whoever I want to be. I have to live, love, and look like Jesus and pursue him. What's the world do when a good Christian man falls? It rages against them because everything they preached, lived, or represented is now what? It's a lie. I knew it wasn't true. I knew it was fake. I knew it was a big joke. Because look at them. Now they're just like me, a rotten sinner. Talk shows, late night TV, Saturday Night Live, totally gut them. Why? Dave Reaver shared this one time. He said, here's why. The world rages against a good man or woman that falls. And he said, because deep down inside, they want to believe in a good God. And when you say you're a Christian, when you're bold enough to say, I love Jesus, they look at you, and they want to believe in a good God. They want to believe that he lives in you. They want to believe that you are good. They want to believe that you are the real deal, that you are loyal and true. They want to believe that you have an answer and an anchor. That's what the world wants from us. And instead we've said, I'm going to be like them. That is heartbreaking to our Savior. That I'd rather be like the world than to be like him. Man, I love Tim Tebow. I don't agree with everything he's ever said or everything he's ever done. But I tell you what, the example that young man has, has his life has been. And I saw him, uh, a clip of him on Jimmy Fallon years ago. And he was talking about the ministry and what he was doing and his outreach to people and to kids. And, and I watched Jimmy Fallon throughout this interview. And what was Jimmy doing? You know, he can be very sarcastic and witty and very good at mocking people and things. But that, during that interview, what's Jimmy doing? He's leaning in. Physically leaning in and listening to what Tim Tebow is saying. And you can see it on Jimmy Fallon's face. 
He was looking at him, longing for what Tim had. He had guts. He's different. And at the end of the interview, they stood up and they shook hands. And Jimmy Fallon looked at him and said, Tim Tebow, you are a good man. Sin has no place in our life. My dad, he got saved in the late 30s. Close to 1940, right before World War II. He went into a, a tent meeting. An evangelist came to town, set up a big tent. And Dad used to talk about the old days of church and evangelism. Man. And he said, Randy, when they'd give an altar call, the men would come to the altar. And what would they do? They'd pull out their cigarettes and flip them on the altar. They'd pull out a, a flask of whiskey or whatever and pitch it out on the altar. They'd take their plug of tobacco, pitch it out on the altar. And then he said, but I'd see these men on Monday morning, and it stuck week after week after week. Their language had immediately changed. Their desires immediately changed. Salvation is not a 12-step process that takes five classes to get there. It's instant. It's now. The altar is a place where something is sacrificed and is killed. And churches right now have become cowardly. They don't do altar calls anymore. The checkbox on a connect card has taken the altar's place. The altar's a foreign thing. We've noticed that here at Abide Church, man. We have people up here to, to pray at the end of service. Pastor Dan invites people to the altar, and it's rare for people to even come for prayer. Well, why? What, what, what happens at the altar? What goes on at the altar? We've made the altar no big deal. And can I tell you that's why some salvations don't stick because they never made it to the altar and killed it and sacrificed it. Man, Billy Graham, I love him, what he stood for, the integrity of that man. And I know I've shared this repeatedly. I love the old Billy Graham classics. Love watching them on TV. 1993, he was at Three Rivers Stadium, the Steelers Stadium. The place was packed. 93. And he asked the crowd. He had talked about sin. I mean boldly talked about sin and life change. And I loved how the camera would pan across that crowd. And oh man, you'd see people. Some were visibly trembling. Some had tears. 
Some were just hanging on for dear life and looking for a way of escape. I've got to get out of here. And he asked them, he said, have you pitched your tent towards Sodom? Think of those cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, evil. They were doomed cities. And I realized that that in my life, I had pitched my tent towards Sodom. And when I opened the flap on my tent door, what was I looking at and looking for? Sodom and everything it had to offer. It wasn't towards my Savior. It was towards Sodom. And then the way only Billy Graham can say it or do it, right after that he said, get up and come. I love this. Do not delay. And then he said this. God says from the cross, I love you. They ran. Have I ever run to an altar? Have I ever run to my chair time? Do I wake up hungry and thirsty? Oh man, I get to get into this this morning. I get to spend time with my Savior, my friend, my Father. When was the last time I ran to Him? Ever? Ever? God says from the cross, I love you. Here's the wonderful thing about God. Have a great object lesson. Taught kids for a lot of years. And one of our altar calls was this. I'd bring in a bag full of black balloons. And it was a bag of sin. And I'd have some kid come up front and he'd throw it over his back and we had talked about what to do and and man, pretend like it's heavy. And you know, he'd bend his knees and sometimes even get down on his knees and kind of crawl with it. It's heavy. It hurts. It's not easy to carry around. A bag of sin. And then this young guy, this little kid, I'd say, but then... Jim Bob gave his heart to Jesus. I need somebody to come up here and help me for a second. I just need someone. John, JB, come on up here. Just, just hand me those balloons, will you? And so, you know, we'll pretend that JB is this little kid that just gave his heart to Jesus, right? Just gave his heart to Jesus. And the Lord, God says, give it to me. Give me, give me, give me that. He says, give me your lies. Give me, give me your lust. Give me, give me that pride. Give me anything that's keeping you from getting closer to me. Keep it coming. Empty that bag. Give it all to me. I want all your sin. Not just some of it. Not just pieces of it. Not just parts of it. But all of it. Give it all. Give it all. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. 
And so there we'd be with an empty bag. No sin. What's God do when he looks at that young man or us? God looks at us and says, what sin? God says, I don't know what you're talking about. The enemy will remind you. Remember when? Remember what you said? Remember what you did? Remember what you thought about that woman? Remember what you looked at on the computer this morning? Remember those things? That God and his son look at you and say, when we sacrifice it and give it to him, what sin? There's no condemnation there. There's no condemnation. And it's, come on, son. Come on, son. I love these verses about what happens to our sin when we truly place them on the altar and sacrifice them and they die. I love that Isaiah thirty-eight seventeen. Cast all my sins behind your back and in my, my eyes, my image that I come up with, it's God. He picks up the scraps, the filth, the garbage that we sacrificed, that we gave up, that we gave. And according to that verse, what does he do? He pitches it behind his back. Isaiah 43, 25. Blot out your sins and never think of them again. Hebrews 8, 12. Never again remember their sin. Psalms 103, 12. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. Micah 7, 19. You trample our sins under your feet and cast our sins into the deepest ocean. Psalms 107, 14. He led them from the darkness and deepest gloom. He snapped their chains. You have a choice to make. I have a choice to make. You know, I thought about, boy, this would be a perfect time for altar call music. No, it's not. If we need music to help set the mood to pursue Jesus Christ and God the Father, we got problems. Today we have a choice to make. Today we're going to open up this altar. I'm going to have men standing on both sides here that are going to willing to pray for you. Is there something today that you've never taken to the altar and sacrificed it and killed it? The Bible talks about how a dog returns to its vomit. And I found out in my life with certain sin, that's exactly where I'm at. I do it. I feel guilty. I feel condemned. I feel terrible. God, please forgive me. And then I walk right back over and do it again. And, you know, we think that's pretty sick and twisted when a dog laps up its own puke. But spiritually, that's what I've been doing. Today's the day. There's things in my life. I'm going to get prayer today. There's a certain thing in my life. There's a, uh, I'll, I'll be very honest. I have a real pet peeve with people when you're driving in the dark and they won't dim their lights. They keep the bright lights on you. And there is a name 
that I say out loud and I call them. And it's filthy. But they deserve it because they're so stupid. <laughs> right? Dim your ever-loving light, son. But I've let that filth come in to my mind, my heart, and where does it come out? When I'm shaken, what I'm full of comes out. What comes out? A blessing? A filthy name that I'm not even going to tell you what it is. I'll share it with the guy that prays for me this morning. But today, that's what we're going to do. That's how we're going to end today. We're not going to have a 728. I always promise you at 730, you're out of here. And we're going to pray. You're free to go. Or you're free to stay here and pray and come up and, and pray with these men. But if there's something you need to drop and kill at the altar today, don't walk out of here with it. God wants you healthy. He wants you whole. He wants you happy. He doesn't want you depressed or anxious or fearful. He wants you pure, holy, and I even he almost hesitate to say this, but sinless. If we believe this word, that's what he wants. So today I encourage you, if there's something you need to drop at this altar, there's men up here that are going to pray for us and help us and give us some wisdom along this path. There might be something that is in your car or your truck right now. And maybe you need to physically go out and get it and bring it in and dump it on the altar. Wherever you're at. Like I said, a lot of today was scripture. And a lot of it was my personal conviction. But those personal convictions of mine came from my Savior. And he, what am I going to do with it? I'm going to say, yes, sir. God blesses obedience. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we praise you for this time together. These men are holy. These men are pure. These men are hungry. These men are thirsty for you. And today, our legacy changes. Today, because vomit that we keep returning to time after time after time, it's done. And today, Things are going to be sacrificed and killed at this altar. It might raise its ugly head, but it will not own us. It will not chain us. It has been defeated today. We love you and praise you for a beautiful day, a safe day, a day at work or a day with our families. We thank you, Lord. It's a day you've created. We love you. We praise you this morning and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Abide Church podcast. If you'd like to partner with us financially, or if you're in the Tulsa area and would like to attend our weekly gathering, you can check out AbideChurch.com.